Well, hey, and welcome to the Quad City Podcast, where we are on mission to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. We're so glad you're joining us in that today. Well, before we dive into today's sermon, would you do me a quick favor? Would you go ahead and open your app store and search Quad City Christian Church? Download our app because it's the best way to stay connected with what's happening here at Quad City. If you're new joining us for the first time, click that new here form as we'd love to reach out and connect with you. You could also submit prayer requests and even give on that same app. It's the best way to stay connected here at Quad City. Well, hey, now that that's out of the way, let's go ahead and dive into our sermon from Sunday. We hope you enjoy. Jason, I'm one of the pastors here. We are honored that you have chosen to start your week off by worshiping with us here at Quad City Christian. I want to welcome all of those who are joining us online from whenever and wherever you are. And also want to give a shout out to all of those in Prescott Valley today. So grateful to have you as a part of the Quad City Church family. For those of you who don't know, uh, last weekend was our first of our soft launches in preparation for opening uh, PV campus in just a few weeks, and so all of our leaders and volunteers have been uh, working out there last week and today, trying to get all of the final pieces in place to welcome in all of our guests that are going to be a part of Prescott Valley in just a few weeks. And so, shout out to you, PV people. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for doing what you do. Um, I do want to make sure and invite all of you in Prescott Valley, but also here we have some invite cards. Uh, they do have times for our services um, both uh, on both campuses. So as you're heading out today, there'll be some ushers, some volunteers, grab you an invite card, invite some people to come join you in PV February 20th, and invite somebody to join you here. So they're all here, grab you one of those, and uh, let's see what God does uh, with our church here in the Quad City area. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them on, turn them to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, that's where we're going to begin today. Um, Over the last few weeks, we've been working our way through our mission statement. So the mission of the church, of Jesus Christ, every church, every God-fearing, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing church should have the same mission. That is, to make disciples. Jesus called it the great mission. Go make disciples. That's the mission of the church of Jesus. The way that each church expresses that mission in a mission statement might be a little bit different, okay? Every ecclesia, every body is different, different passions and, and, and different ways that we do things, different cultures. So we might have a way of saying it different, but we're all about the same thing. We're all about making disciples. Now, there, as we've said from the beginning, there are other good and right and godly things that we should be doing as Jesus followers, But they are all secondary to fulfilling the mission that Jesus gave his church, which is to make disciples. So over the last several months, our leadership team has been working on how do we express the mission that Jesus has specifically given this ecclesia? 
How do we say it in a way that we as a body of believers can rally around it, not just know it in our head, but get it sunk into our soul so that we actually leverage it to to recalibrate our life to see it come to pass. And so that we've been trying to put some language around that. And here's what we came up with. That our church, we exist to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. Now, I want you guys to say this with me. I want us to put our voice to it. Prescott Valley, join in here. Let's read this out loud together. We exist to make more and better disciples of Jesus everywhere, always. This is our mission. And I put the word we up here because if you're a part of the body of Christ, you're included in this. This is what you signed up for as a follower of Jesus. So we've been spending a few weeks talking about it. We talked about what it means to make more disciples We talked last week about what it means to make better disciples of Jesus. And today, we're going to focus on this word right here, the everywhere. Where are we supposed to be making disciples of Jesus? And the answer is everywhere. That's what we're going to talk about today. So if you've been around church world for very long, uh, you've probably heard of the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. That was Jesus' last instructions to his disciples. Now, what you may not know is that the gospel writer Luke also has a version of the Great Commission where Luke writes down these last instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples. And we find them in Acts chapter 1. And so that's what we're going to look at today. And what we find in these last instructions that Jesus gives his disciples in Acts chapter 1 is not Jesus just telling his disciples what to do, which is make disciples. That's the what. What we find in Acts 1 is he also tells his disciples how they're going to do it and where they should be doing it. And so that's what we're going to focus on today. Let's begin. Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 4. On one occasion... While he was eating with them, he being Jesus, them being the disciples, on one occasion, while Jesus was eating with the disciples, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter 1 picks up the story between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. There was about a 40-day window where Jesus kind of popped in and out, spending time with his disciples. On one occasion, it says, this is one of the occasions Jesus popped in, and it just happened to be his last one. He's getting ready to ascend in heaven, and on one occasion, he gathers his disciples. He says, I give you this command. Okay. Command is an important word here. This is not suggestion. What he's about to tell his disciples this is not a suggestion. He gives them this command. And what does he command them? Stay in Jerusalem. Why would we do that? Because the Holy Spirit is about to come. I want you to stay for the gift that my Father has promised, namely the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about him more in just a moment. So stay in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit, the gift my Father has given, he's coming. And then when that happens, or I'm sorry, after he said this, then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you at this time 
going to restore the kingdom to Israel. Just pause here for just a second. How many of you are ready for Jesus to come back and restore the kingdom? Anybody? Yeah? Got a few of you in the room? All right. How many of y'all are ready for like the policies and politics and politicians and power-hungry governments to be done and replaced with the kingdom of God? Anybody? Yeah? Okay. Get excited about that. I just need you to know, you're not the only ones. Like, Jesus' disciples, that's the first thing they ask. Jesus comes up out of the grave. He's about to ascend into heaven. And they're like, hey, you defeated the whole death thing. Can we just start the kingdom? Can we just start the kingdom? Is now the time, Lord, when you're going to put your people, Jesus, is it time to put your people the, the people of God back in their rightful place. And what I mean by rightful place is back in charge. Are we, we going to do that now, Jesus? And I, honestly, I read that last week and I thought, this sounds kind of familiar. This is like every election cycle now. This is where the Christians are going. It's time to put the Christians back in charge. Put God's people back in charge. To which Jesus responds, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The disciples ask, Is it time? Is it kingdom? Is it time now? And Jesus immediately, immediately redirects their focus. Jesus, don't you be focused on times and dates and when God's going to do what God... That's not your concern. That's God's concern. You need to focus on what I'm asking of you. You need to focus on, on what you've been called to do. Stop worrying about who it is that God's putting in charge and when the kingdoms... You don't... That's not your concern. You need to focus on what I'm asking you to do. Which, by the way, I think the world would be in a whole lot better spot if we spent less time trying to figure out who God's going to put in charge and spent more time doing what he has instructed us to do. And what is it that he wants them to do? What's the focus that he's shifting them away from who's in charge and when the king? He says, stop worrying about that. Here's where you need to focus. Focus on receiving Power through the Holy Spirit and being his witnesses, the witnesses of Jesus. That's what you need to be focused on. Stop worrying about the kingdom and who's coming and who's in. You focus on receiving the power of the Spirit and being the witnesses for Jesus. That's your job. Now, this is how the Great Commission is going to happen. Receiving the power of the Spirit and being witnesses of Jesus. Now, let's talk about the Holy Spirit for just a second, because let's be honest. Um, I know in this church, and many of us who come from a church background like this church, we don't spend a lot of time talking about the Holy Spirit. We just don't. We kind of treat the Holy Spirit like the third wheel of the Trinity. He's like the weird cousin that shows up, and you just never know exactly what's going to happen, and so... You just try to keep him at bay. I mean, that's the Holy Spirit. And so part of it is, part of it is because we, 
we get uncomfortable with some of the things that, get, that have been done in the name of the Holy Spirit. Like the Holy Spirit gets blamed for stuff that probably aren't really the Holy Spirit working. Like there are times we've seen people and heard stories and saw on TV like the Holy Spirit came and people started barking like dogs. And I'm like, is that really the Spirit? I'm not sure that that is, but okay, maybe. People speaking in tongues and they don't know what they're saying and nobody else knows what they're saying, but somehow that's the Holy Spirit doing his thing, okay. Or somebody standing up in the front of the room and... And the whole room falls down, and you're like, I'm not sure that's the Holy Spirit, but okay. I mean, it gets weird, and I get it. And so there's some part of us that just like uh, kind of want to stiff arm the Holy Spirit. But let me just say today, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, okay? There are times in Scripture when the Holy Spirit does some incredible, miraculous things. But let's listen to what Jesus is saying in this text. Right here in this text may be the most important and prominent role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the believer and in the life of the church. And that is when the Holy Spirit shows up, the message of Jesus goes out. That's what happens. That's what Jesus says. Jesus says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes so that you can be my witnesses. The, the role of the Holy Spirit is to come on the believer so that the word of Jesus goes out through the believer. That's what the Holy Spirit's called to do. And that's what happens all throughout the book of Acts. Think about Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit came down in power on the disciples. And what happened? Well, they spoke in tongues. That's right. To what end? So that everyone in Jerusalem got to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ in their own language. The reason they spoke in tongues so that the word of God could be heard in the heart language of everyone in shot. And 3,000 people came into the kingdom that day. It happened in Acts chapter 4, where Peter gets arrested and drugged before the Sanhedrin. And look at what it says. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit. What happened when the Holy Spirit filled Peter? He stood up in front of the Sanhedrin and said, rulers and elders of the people. And he preached the gospel to the Sanhedrin because he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is Shouldn't surprise us. This is exactly what Jesus said would happen. Jesus made this promise. Whenever you are arrested and brought up to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at the time, for it is not you who are speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Hey, when you have the opportunity to share faith, you don't have to worry about what to say, because that's when the Holy Spirit will show up and speak. That's what he does. It happened again, Acts 4, there's a prayer meeting. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what happened when they filled, when he was, the people were filled with the Holy Spirit? They spoke the word of God boldly. That's what the Spirit does. Happened again, Acts chapter 13, a worship service happens and the Holy Spirit shows up while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul 
for the work which I have called them. They're worshiping, they're praying, they're singing, they're fasting. And the Holy Spirit says, I need him and I need him. I got a job for these guys. And what is it that those two men had been called to do? The two of them set out on the way by the Holy Spirit, went down to Seleucia and sailed there to Cyprus. And then they arrived at Semelis and they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. The Holy Spirit says, I need him and I need him. You guys come with me. I got a job for you. And what was the job? I'm going to fill you with the Spirit so that you can preach the word of God. This is what the Holy Spirit does. This is why he exists. This is what Jesus said. You will be empowered. The main role of the Holy Spirit is not to give you warm fuzzies when you're singing. The Holy Spirit's job, he wasn't sent just to help you find your car keys. The role of the Holy Spirit was not given so that you could win family feud. Okay, I see there's some of you I have no idea what I'm talking about right now. So let me show you. Okay. I'm going to ask you the same five questions you can ask. Hold on. Okay. Holy Spirit, activate. Oh, no. Holy oh, Spirit, oh, activate. No. Holy Spirit, activate. 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 Oh. All right, let's go. <laughs> this is why people think we're crazy. Like, this is not the role of the Holy Spirit. This is, not, this is not what Jesus promised us. This is not what he's doing. The Holy Spirit is given, Jesus says, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit so that you can be my witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit has come. If you want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit, then open up your mouth to share the gospel, and he will show up for that. He'll show up. That's what Jesus promised the Holy Spirit to do. Let's get back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. I want you to say this with me. You will be my what? You'll be my witnesses. You'll be my witnesses. I want you to hear this today. He doesn't say you're going to be my prophets. You're going to be my preachers. You're going to be my theologians. He doesn't say you're going to be my apologetics experts you're going to be my witnesses that was the first disciples and that's our job just all you got to do is be a witness what's a witness do a witness testifies to what they have seen what they have heard and what they have experienced that's that's the role of a witness just just be willing to share what you've seen what you heard, what you've experienced. As a witness, you don't have to answer for what other people have seen, other people have heard, or other people have experienced. Just you. That's all a witness does. That should make us all feel pretty good today. You don't have to answer for other people's experiences with Jesus. And here's the good news for us. Nobody can argue with what you have witnessed. Nobody can argue with that. They may argue some doctrinal point or some theological treaty. They, they can argue those things. They cannot argue with you when you say, here is what I have seen. And here is what I have heard. 
And here's what I've experienced with Jesus in my life. Nobody can argue that. And that's all you have to do. You have to be a witness. Are you willing to be able to share why it is that you've chosen to follow Jesus? What you've seen, what you've heard, you've experienced that make you want to follow Jesus. If you can't, that's an issue. You should really understand why it is you are following Jesus and be able to articulate what you've seen, what you've heard, why you've made the decision to follow after Jesus. That's what we're called to. That's all he asks of us. Be my witnesses. That's what we, that's what we do. Now, this is how the Great Commission gets accomplished. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are witnesses. This is how the Great Commission happens. Now, let's take the next shift to the where. Where are we supposed to be witnesses? Where are we supposed to be? Through the Holy Spirit, being witnesses of Jesus, making disciples. Where is this supposed to happen? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is the where. Be my witnesses, he says to these disciples, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, many of you are probably looking at this and say, that didn't, I've never been to Samaria. I don't know how to do that. Let me try to help you understand what Jesus is saying here. Here's a little map. Here's Jerusalem. I'm sorry for those of you online um, may not be able to see this great, but this is Jerusalem. This is where the disciples are. And Jesus says, stay there in Jerusalem, and you're going to be my witnesses starting right there in Jerusalem. Start where you are. Now, Judea is this region down here south of Jerusalem. Actually, Jerusalem's part of Judea. It's a bigger regional area. Go up north a little bit, and you find Samaria. That's Jesus said, go Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. That's what he calls his disciples to do. So Ju Jerusalem was the city that they were in, Judea, Samaria, the region surrounding it, and then go to the ends of the earth. Now, I've got a question for you, and it's really simple, so just listen close. It's not a trick question. You can get this. What part of the world is excluded from Jesus' expectation that his disciples be witnesses? Where in the world is excluded from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth? What part of the world is excluded? None. There's no place in the world that is excluded from Jesus' expectations of where his disciples are to be Spirit-empowered witnesses. Which means, we could say it this way, everywhere in the world is where we're supposed to be witnesses. Anywhere and everywhere that you go on this planet is included in what Jesus just said. If you jump on one of Elon Musk's rockets, then maybe you're excluded. Outside of that, everywhere you go on the planet is included here, okay? Now, if you're like me, that can feel a bit overwhelming. Like, 
Everywhere? Yeah, yeah, everywhere. That feels a little weighty. I don't know that I can... It seems like a, a, that seems like he's asking a lot to go everywhere. I don't know if I can do that. And I'm guessing that these disciples felt the same thing, which is why I think it's helpful that Jesus broke it down for them. Okay? He didn't just start with, go all over the world. It's not where he began. Jesus didn't just start there. He, he broke it down a little bit. And he, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to start in Jerusalem. Okay? Just, just start there. He's talking to the 11. Judas is out, right? Talking to the 11. Just start in Jerusalem. In other words, again, start where you are. Start with the people who are closest to you. Start with the people who know your name. Start with the people who know your story. Start with the people who you know their story. Start with the people who are closest to you. That, that's Jerusalem for these guys. And then Jesus said, and then move out from there. Go, go to Judea. Now Judea for these guys, that's like, that's their culture. That's their people. That, that's people who talk like them, who act like them, who have the same history, background, language as them. They, they look like these people. They've experienced life like these people. Judea, this is home base for Jewish people. So it's not a step, not a hard step to share the gospel with the people who already are like them. Then he says... And then make sure we add Samaria in here. Now, adding Samaria in, that's like the first step into a cross-cultural kind of mission. Samaritans were half Jewish, which means there were some cultural similarities, but they were a distinct people. They had distinct beliefs. They, had dis they were racially different. They were biracial people. So this, for these disciples, was a step away from what was comfortable for them. Jesus said, but the gospel's got to go there. So take the uncomfortable step and go to Samaria and share the good news of Jesus. And then once we've gone kind of the halfway point away from your culture, then take it to the whole earth. Then go from there. That's what Jesus called his disciples to do. Anywhere and everywhere you go is the place where a spirit-empowered disciple should be a witness for Jesus. And aren't, aren't you glad today that these 11 disciples took this command seriously? Aren't you glad? You should be more glad than you are expressing right now. Because the reason you are here today, the reason you have the hope of the kingdom of heaven is because they took this seriously. They did what Jesus told them to do. That's why we're here. And now it's our turn. You do recognize, right, that our faith is ever only two generations from going extinct in any one location in the world. You, you realize that, right? You're looking at me like I'm telling you something you don't know. Let me help you to understand this. We are two generations. For anywhere in the world that the gospel is gone, we're two generations from it going extinct in that place. 
And again, you're, you, I can see on your face, you're like, that would never happen. It happens all the time. You, you do, let me try to help you understand. Let me give you a couple of examples. One, um, have, you, have you ever heard of these um, Apostle Paul missionary tours that you can actually follow in the footsteps of the Apostle Paul where Paul took the gospel and went around the Mediterranean Rim and he planted churches in these great cities you've heard of them. Ephesus and Smyrna and Sardis and Laodicea and, and Thyatira. He, he, he went to Philippi and Corinth. He goes to these places and he plants gospel churches and we read about them and they're in our scriptures and we study the letters that were written to them and they were thriving gospel-centered missionaries sending amazing churches in Antioch. And, and, and you, can book, you can go online today and just Google up missionary tour Paul and it will... They're, there are companies that will take you to all of these places and let you go to these places where Paul planted all of these churches. And you know what you're going to find when you get there? You know, what, you know what you get to see? Relics. Ruins. You go and there are history lessons. You know Why? Because most of the churches are gone. They don't exist anymore. Most of them are in the area that we call Turkey today. And the gospel-centered, Christ-affirming, missionary-sending churches in that region are dead. Well, how did that happen? Well, because somewhere between when Paul left and we showed up, there was a generation or two that dropped the ball. And those churches don't exist anymore. It's dead. And the gospel needs to go back there. Think about, well, we're in America. It wouldn't happen here. Sure it will. Sure it will. Go to, go to Europe today and you find these grand cathedrals, these big, huge buildings that used to be filled with thousands and thousands of worshipers and now they're tourist attractions. They're empty on Sunday mornings because somewhere along the line, a generation or two dropped the ball. 500 years ago, the epicenter, the Protestant church that we are a part of, the Protestant church was birthed in Germany. Martin Luther, nailing the 95 Theses on the Wittenberg door, some of the greatest writers and theologians and thinkers and scholars and pastors and preachers were in Germany and they changed the world. And you go to Germany today and it's one of the most secular nations that exists. 40% of the people claim no faith whatsoever. How did that happen? From the birthplace of our the Protestant church around the world was birthed there, and now it's drying up. Why? Because a generation or two dropped the ball, and they assumed that because we have a thriving church now, we always will. And it's up to every generation to pick up the mantle and keep 
the gospel going. And I want to make sure that we do our part and that we are not of those who let the gospel church die on our watch because we're going to take seriously the command to be his witnesses everywhere. So where do we make disciples? We start where we are. We start where we are. We need to start with those who are closest to us, with people who know us and we know them. They know our story. We know theirs. We don't need to start with the ends of the earth. We need to start with the people that we know. How sad would it be if we focus our disciple-making efforts with people around the world while we let the people closest to us die and go to hell? How sad would that be? We often take it for granted that the people who are closest to us, surely they're going to make it. We can't take that for granted. So start where you are. Which means, first and foremost, start where you are means start in your home. That's where it begins. Start with those closest to you. Let me call out the dads and the granddads here for just a moment. You need to start with the people who share your last name. Some of you, your greatest need for making disciples is in your own family. Don't assume that just because you have faith that they're going to pick up your faith. Many of you have children who are not following Jesus. You know better. You, you can't assume they're just going to pick up your faith. You have to pass on your faith. It has to be intentional. you got to start where you are. Don't worry about going across the world if you haven't gone across the hall. Your home is your Jerusalem. you got to start where you are. And then... Then you step out from there to Judea. What's Judea for us? Judea for us would be like the Quad City area. It's the culture that we're in. It's the people who already look like us and sound like us. They have much of the same experience and background. These are, these are people we can have easy conversations with. These are the people in our community. These are the people that we go to school with. These are the people that we have... Uh, uh, working for us and we work for them. These are people that you can connect and be a witness with anywhere and everywhere. I mean, it can happen. It can happen over a meal. It can happen in a waiting room at a doctor's office. It can happen in a business. I had a Jesus-centered conversation in a glass shop like two weeks ago. Like I'm sitting in the glass store, window store, um, because I've got a son who thought it would be a great idea to shoot a propane-powered potato gun in the garage. And so I'm at the window store now. And in that, it did work. It blew out the window. So I, I'm at this counter, and I'm having a conversation. Next thing I know, the guy behind, we're having a conversation about Jesus, and he's in tears. Because when we open up ourselves for a moment 
The Holy Spirit will give us opportunities to see how we can help have a, a Jesus moment anywhere and everywhere. And once we're engaged with people in our home and then in our community, then we should be thinking about how do we engage the world? And we as an ecclesia, we're passionate about it. We want to see people come to Jesus all over the world, which is why we've partnered with for 12 years now a, a missionary couple, one of whom came from this church in Japan because it is the second largest unreached people group in the world. Millions of people, the largest city in the world has less than 1% of them who know Jesus. And we want to resource them, leverage our resources to empower this couple to plant gospel-centered churches so that the gospel can be shared. That there's witnesses on the ground in Japan. We've been partnering for over 20 years with an organization that is training pastors and planting churches in the largest Muslim country in the world. They're planting hundreds of, of churches and have trained hundreds of pastors, but you don't hear us talk about it much, and I won't ever give you a website because it often comes at the cost of the life of a pastor. But we've been working with them for 20 years to resource them to get the gospel out because we care about those people. That's why our kids, our students, will spend their spring break going down to Mexico and building houses and being witnesses. They don't have to go and be theologians. They just got to show up and say, I'm here because Jesus loves me and he loves you. They're going to go be witnesses using their spring break to, to help other people see Jesus. Because we care about that. And we, oh, here's my dream. My dream is that some of you, some of you young people, would leverage your life to go to the ends of the earth. Like you'd make that your vocational ministry. For the rest of your days, you're going to the ends of the earth. I want to have a roll of 20 missionaries that came from this church, and we're spending half of our budget funding people going to the ends of the earth. And it's not just the young people who need to be doing Some of you old people need to be doing that. No, I'm not even kidding. you got 10 years left. Do you really want to go in? you got 10 years you want to go into the king, you're going to meet Jesus, and the thing you're, oh yeah, the last decade got really good with the putter. Is that really what you, really the thing that you, some of you, you got 10 years, you ought to be leveraging your life, your kids are grown up, your grandkids are well taken care of, you need to sell it and go to the ends of the earth. That's what he's calling us to. Because the gospel's worth it. And eternities are at stake. Let me wrap it up with this. Here's, here's what I want. This is the application. Start where you are. Start where you are. Again, it's in your home. It's in your neighborhood. Start where you are. Be a witness where you are. Wherever you are. Number two, Go where you can. You can't go everywhere. But you can go somewhere. You can go down the hall. You can go across the street. You can go around the corner. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to your in-laws. Start where you are. Go where you can. 
Be a spirit-empowered witness. Go somewhere and then send where you can't. You can't go everywhere, but you have resources that you can give to organizations like our church that can resource agencies to go where you can't. So start where you are, go where you can. Everybody has a can and then send where you can't. This is what he's called us to. Let me end with this. Um, Again, let me ask, how many of you all are ready for the kingdom? You ready for Jesus to come back and establish the kingdom? Let me see. I'm ready. You were more enthusiastic earlier. Okay. <laughs> if, you are, if you are serious about that right now, then read what Jesus said. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You seriously want to? the kingdom to be set up, then get on mission. You can't, you can't with integrity raise your hand and say, oh yeah, I want the kingdom to come if you aren't on mission because this is the trigger. The trigger is the gospel goes to all nations, then the end will come. You don't get to say, I'm all in for the kingdom coming, but I'm not on for the mission. Because Jesus says one leads to the other. So start where you are. Go where you can. And send where you can't. Lord Jesus, I pray today that you, through your Holy Spirit, would open our eyes. To open our lives, which would then lead us to open our mouths and share what we've seen and what we've heard and what we've experienced through following Jesus. Use us to be your witnesses, starting in our homes, going into our community, and launching into the world. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And thank you so much for joining us today here at the Quad City Podcast. Hey, our desire is that we would each look more and more like Jesus every day, week, month, and year. And we know that that doesn't just come from learning more about him and his word, but by actually applying it to our lives today. We hope that you take this message that you heard today and apply it to your life in a way that makes you honor him. Well, thanks again for joining us today. Be sure to download the Quad City app and we will see you again next time.